Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. So tonight's Bible study is going to be called The Spirit of the Pharisees. The Spirit of the Pharisees. The reason why I want to talk about this or the reason why the Lord gave me this uh, title tonight is because, you know, this spirit has been around for a really long time, thousands of years. And it was around in Jesus' day. It was around even before Jesus' day when he was here in the flesh. And it's still very alive today in a lot of churches. As we know, the Pharisees, when they were uh, back in their day, and when Jesus was out and he was doing his ministry, the Pharisees were always around. They were always sneaking behind some corner trying to get him on something. They were bound up in the law. They were bound up in a lot of religious works. and They wanted the people to do the same thing. You know, they wanted them to be under the law of Moses, which they themselves could not keep, nor did they even attempt to keep. And the spirit is alive today because you have so many religions out there today, uh, and many of them claiming to be Christian religions that are doing the same thing, that are actually binding people from getting into a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, you know, you go to a church today and it's all about the pastor. What does the pastor do here? What does the pastor do there? And if the pastor leaves, you know, the congregation is in an uproar because now they're like, now what do we do? And so that spirit's really binding people because if we're too focused on what the pastor's doing or what the lady is doing, and we can't really get into the word for ourselves, and we if we can't think outside of the box to come to know Jesus, then there's a there's a real issue with that. And you know, and the devil's really getting people with religion today. That's why it's a very small minority of people that actually know who Jesus Christ is, that actually has a relationship with him that says, you know what, whenever I do something wrong, I am convicted in my heart about it. You know, and if we're not, if we claim to be a Christian and we're going to church, yet we are not convicted by the things that we do wrong and we just go around living an average everyday life, still living the same lifestyle, there's something wrong with that picture. We do not actually have a connection with Jesus Christ. It's just a, you're just a church person. You're just going there for whatever reason you're going there. But there's no actual Jesus in your own life. And the Pharisees that are in the church today are not telling people of sin anymore. They're not preaching repentance and not preaching get to know Jesus for yourself. They're not doing any of that anymore. It's just basically come to church, look good in your Sunday best. And we're going we're going to see that, too, here as well, what that did back then. But we need to really understand and expose that Pharisee spirit today because it is still alive. It's still functioning and people need to know where it's at. So before we get started, let's open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to come to you this evening in Jesus name. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for this day. Thank you, Jesus, for this time. Lord God, I just want to say thank you for all and everything that you've done. I want to say thank you, Jesus Christ, for your love and your grace and your mercy and your long-suffering, Lord Jesus, and just all and everything that you've done for us and through us. Lord God, I just pray 
And thank you for the brothers and sisters who are also listening in tonight, Lord Jesus, that you be with them in their lives, Lord God. If people are listening in for the very first time tonight, Lord God, I pray that they will listen. And, and not about what I'm saying, Lord Jesus Christ, but it's about you. It's coming to know you. It's repenting of our sins, Lord Jesus Christ. It's getting our minds free from this world. It's getting our minds free from religion. And it's coming to know you, Lord God, because you are the only way, the only truth, and the only life. So open up our hearts, Lord God. Open up our minds to receive you, Lord Jesus, to receive your word. That Satan will not get the advantage, Lord Jesus. I pray in, in the name of Jesus that you block out and that you rebuke any demonic spirits that try and come against this word tonight, Lord Jesus Christ. Because we are living in a world today, Lord God, that is lost and going to hell. And that's exactly what Satan wants. He wants people going to hell just like him. So, Lord God, I pray tonight in the name of Jesus that this message will touch others, Lord Jesus, that they will repent, that they will come to know you, Lord God. And if there's anything within us, Lord Jesus Christ, that we need to give to you, I pray that we will, Lord God, because we are not promised tomorrow. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus, for all and everything that you've done. In Jesus Christ, you must hold in my praise. Amen. Okay. So let's go to Matthew 12 and verse 1. Matthew 12 and verse 1. I'm going to start out by seeing what these religious Pharisees were doing to Jesus in his day. Okay, Matthew 12, I'm going to start at verse 1. And that time Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were hungered or hungry, and began to pluck the ears of corn and, and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto them, said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But Jesus, but he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was a hungered, and they that were with him, and how he entered into the house of God and did eat the shoe bread? which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath day the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice ye would not have condemned the guiltless. So, as we know here, you know, Jesus and his disciples were going out. The disciples, had they were hungry, and so they just grabbed some corn. And right before you know it, here come the Pharisees saying, this is not lawful for them to do on the Sabbath day. And Jesus had to put them in their proper place because it's like, did you not read what David and his men did? You know how they went to the temple? So he's trying to show them, you know what? If you guys are so wound up in the law and you don't even know what the law says yourself because he had to show them right here. Did you not read where David did this? Did you not read what the priest did, you know, in the profane the temple and are blameless? So he's telling them what they have not even read and showing them, hey, you know what? This is what happened here. So why are you trying to condemn my disciples for just grabbing a pure of corn for being hungry? And yet you yourself don't even know what David did. Or either they know and they just were hoping he wouldn't have known. But this is Jesus. Of course, he knows everything. But that's the thing is that 
you know, in our own lives, and I know it's been said before that, you know, and it's easy to happen. It's easy sometimes, especially like when you first become a Christian. Um, I have found this in my own life at times where it's like sometimes it's not even intentional, but we have to be we have to be careful about what we do. We have to be careful about what we say, because if we're not, then we get a little bit of scriptures in us. And all of a sudden we came, we become proud. All of a sudden we become boastful. And, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, we become proud. We become boastful. And then before you know it, we're toting our Bible around. We're trying to condemn people like you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. And you should be going to church and everything like that. And although we're trying to, like, get people outside of them being in their sinful life because that's how we were. We have to have that relationship with Jesus. Because I remember when I first got saved, man, every little thing that I heard, you know, I wanted to tell people. And the Lord had to tell me, hold up a second. You've been saved five seconds. <laughs> you know, and I understand you want to tell people about me. But don't do it in such a judgmental manner that they don't receive me. Don't do it in such a proud manner that, you know, all they see is a, a, a religion about you. Because that can really come across, you know, as we know today, and it's not telling people about their sin. It's not convicting people. It's not that they won't come to know Jesus. But as we know today, a lot of people, when they hear that you're a Christian, whoop, there goes the wall. You know, the last thing they want to hear about is, oh, great, another religious, you know, nut job, you know, that's in my face. And they're going to try and tell me about this. And they're going to try and tell me about that. And we have to tell people, no, you know, it's not about religion. I've had people tell me, I'm sure you guys have had people tell you, you know, you, you're trying to talk about Jesus and they say, well, I'm not religious. You say, neither am I. Yep. And they give you a real funny look and you're like, wait a minute. You said that. Yep. I do tell them that's good. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But that spirit of religion is in some degrees, the spirit of that the Pharisees is almost in people who don't believe simply because of religion. It comes across that way. You know, you tell them, hey, I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm a Christian. And all of a sudden, it's almost like they become the Pharisee because they're like, they put the wall up. You know, I don't believe. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't do this and I don't do that. And so, but yeah, exactly. So when we become first become a Christian and other things, even sometimes as we grow in our walk with the Lord, this can even happen. You know, uh, I'm firm believer in the King James Version, the King James Version only. But there are other people, you know, they may they may not have a Bible. So they go out to the store and they just grab the first one off the shelf, as long as it's not a satanic Bible. They grab the first one that's <laughs> off the shelf and they just start reading it. You know, they may not know what discrepancies are in the, the other scriptures. So I can't sit there and tell them, you know, first coming to know the Lord, if I see they got an NIV, I can talk to them about it. But I'm not going to sit there and say you can't be saved through that one. Because maybe that's how the Lord brought them to him. Exactly. So it's like, I can sit there and tell them, it's like, hey, you know, I would highly suggest that you research your, you know, yourself on these other versions of the scripture, you know, for yourself, because I do hold true to this one. But I'm not going to sit there and condemn them for it. Because if the Lord reached that person through that translation, then, hey, another person got saved. And it's a stepping stone. It's a stepping process. You know, you don't just sit there and, you know, as we've talked about before, you don't give a, a, a baby, you know, a steak, you know, and some sauce or whatever. No, they got to start out with the milk and they got to grow from there. And so 
The Pharisees also, at the same time, they don't want people going through that growing process to come to know Jesus Christ either. They want them to stay under them. They want them to stay babes all the time. You know, they're like, okay, you can have the milk, but that's as far as you can go. Because if you go any further, now all of a sudden you might know more than me. Now all of a sudden you might get on fire for Jesus and I'm not. And that's going to make my image look bad. And so, yeah, it's all about a growing process, but not having that religious spirit. Okay, so let's keep reading here. Verse 8. For the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath day. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day that they may that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? So he's letting them know, if you're going to sit there and ask me this silly question about should I should a man be healed on the Sabbath day or not, let me ask you a question. If you got a sheep and it falls into the pit, well, I guess the sheep's going to have to die now because I'm not supposed to pull them out of the pit on the Sabbath day because that's considered work. He's basically let them know, you know, that's a really silly question that you're asking me because you know in and of yourself, if this were to happen, you know in your heart, you're going to pull that out of the pit. You're not just going to let it sit there. Okay. Uh, verse 12. How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. So he's letting them know, hey, you know what? It is not wrong to be doing this on the Sabbath day just because they say otherwise. Verse 13. Then saith he to the man, stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held counsel against him, how they might destroy him. And as we know, the reason why the Pharisees wanted to destroy Jesus is because he is the Son of God. He came down here that men may be set free. And they, first of all, that he did not come in the fashion that they thought he came, he should have come. The Pharisees thought that he was supposed to come in some rich attire like, like they were. And he came humble. You know, he was born in Bethlehem. He was born in the, you know, in the ghetto. So, number one, he didn't come like them. He didn't act like them. He didn't dress like them. He didn't do anything like they did. He came here to do the will of his father. And because of that, because he did not, you know, rub elbows with them, that more or less rubbed them the wrong way. Because he wasn't acting like them. He didn't obey their laws. He didn't go in accordance to what they wanted done. And because of that, because he's an outsider, now all of a sudden they want to destroy him and get rid of him because now he makes their image look bad. And that is true. The, the true image of Jesus Christ is not sitting up in some $30 million building with nice painted windows and you know organs and stuff like that. The image of Jesus Christ is supposed to be on the inside of us. And when that is true, that's going to rub a lot of religious people the wrong way because they don't see it that way. To them, Jesus is this. Jesus is the pastor. And I hate to say it, but that's how a lot of people think there is God. You know, so that's why I was saying earlier when the pastor goes away, now people have an issue. Now, I went to this one church uh, years ago when I was uh, about early 20s, mid 20s. And 
It was in North Carolina. And, you know, I didn't know this until years later after I really came to know the Lord. And while they were changing the building, they built up on the building and they changed the sign. Well, when they changed the sign from one name to another name, and then the sign actually had to be set on the ground because of some, you know, laws there in North Carolina. Well, half the church decided to leave over a sign. They decided to leave. And it's just like, you know, when you're so wrapped up in that spirit, when you're so wrapped up in the political system, I don't know why there's a political system in church. When you're so wrapped up in that and you can't really see what the Lord's trying to do, you'll leave over something silly like that. You'll go somewhere else because you think if I leave, man, they're they're really going to feel it if I leave because I'm so-and-so in this church. And I've been here for, you know, 50 years and 50 years. But in those 50 years, what did we do for the Lord? In those 50 years, did we just go to church? Did we just listen to a pastor? Did we just go home? Did we just, you know, live our everyday life? We get upset over a sign being changed. And as I remember that, that kind of like, I don't know, rubbed me the wrong way because I'm like, it's just a sign. You know, why are people leaving church over a sign? But that's how that spirit does the people. It holds them so bound in religion that they will, you know, they'll do crazy stuff. You know, they'll get emotional over crazy stuff like that. Okay, let's keep reading here. And verse 15, but when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and charged them that they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold, my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, and whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall shew judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall not break, and smoking flax shall not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. So the Lord, he wanted people to be hushed in this manner. He healed them, but he knew that there was still some other things that he needed to do before he went to the cross. And the, here we have the Pharisees are already trying to, to destroy him. So they already were like, okay, we got to get him here, get him here. But it wasn't his time yet. So he had to fulfill the will of his, uh, of his father. You know, the Holy Spirit came upon him. He was to do his ministry. But it was not yet his time to be crucified. All right, verse 22. Then was brought unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both uh, spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is this not the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom is divided against itself, is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. And how shall then his kingdom stand? And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. So he was letting them know, if I am casting out devils by Beelzebub or by Satan, 
then in what name do does your children cast out devil's blood? So he knew that their children was getting the spirit. Their children was going to do the will of the Lord, but they themselves were not willing to do it. And that's why that he had to accuse them. That's why he, or not accuse them, but that's why he had to show them. You know, because they were just coming there, to, you know, to mock him and say, because they were upset. Because they had no intentions of themselves to do this. They didn't want to cast out devils. They probably wanted this young man to stay exactly the way he was. They did not care. But when Jesus did it, he cast out devils. And he cast out devils, you know, he called upon his father to cast out devils. He had the Holy Spirit within him. But the, but the Pharisees did not believe that. They were under the law. They were still stuck in their old ways of believing, you know, hoping that no one else would do this. Because if anyone else got on fire and decided to follow after Jesus Christ and to do his will, like what's happening today, who who's that make look bad? The people who are not doing it. The people that just want you to sit in church and have your best life now and just make sure you give your tithe to the pastor because we got all this other stuff going on. We got a building plan. We got this and we got we got blah 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 going on. When there's people out there today on the streets, not healed, on the streets, not being taken care of, on the streets, and that's where we're supposed to be, is on the streets. That's where the Lord's calling us to go, is on the streets, into a mission field, wherever he's calling us to go. That's where we should go. But if we have people who are lords over in our inheritance, then we can't see that. And that's what those Pharisees are. They're wanting to be lords over people's inheritance, so that way they cannot serve him. All right. Verse uh, 29. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and when he will spoil his house? And then will he spoil his house? He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me uh, scattereth abroad. And that's another thing here I want to look at, too, because I know we've gone over these scriptures before, but let's look at 29 again. Or else how can one enter a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, then we then then he will spoil his house. So the Pharisees a lot of times, or all the time actually, are the strong man in people's life in a religious setting. That spirit of Pharisee, that spirit of religion is a strong man in somebody's life. And that spirit's gotta be brought it's gotta be broken down. And in some instances, that can be very hard. And you got to be really, really patient because this person may actually know what the Bible says. They may have head knowledge, but the heart knowledge is not there. You know, and we've run into that before. You'll talk to somebody, they'll be spouting scripture here, spouting them out there, spouting them out here. You can just see the pride on their face when they're talking. And it's just like, man, you've really come to know Jesus. And they think they do know Jesus. And they don't. And that's the issue. And that's why it's a very, very dangerous spirit that people can have is the spirit of Pharisee. It's very, very dangerous because it makes you actually think you are saved. Yeah, it definitely religion, is. Yeah. Religion to yeah. And stubbornness is actually witchcraft. At the same time, because it keeps 
you know, it keeps you bound in one simple thing, you know, where the devil can actually work in that, yeah, you my, know. And, my wife is uh, Ethiopian, uh, family, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, she had a friend that she went to visit recently. Her husband's white and Christian. She's Orthodox, and so he had, uh, she had a conversation with a friend about the Lord and the Holy Spirit. What do you mean the Holy Spirit? You're not supposed to be calling on the Holy Spirit to do. And it was a way she was explaining and describing certain things. And it was kind of like she was resistant to anything my wife could say to her. And she fell back on her religion, or whatever her beliefs were. And I'm not knocking the Orthodox. It's just there was a structured, yeah, there was a structured way of how she believed. And if you went against that, you would blaspheme, you know, blaspheme, you know, what she believed. And she was just really hardcore about it. And so she kind of started being offensive towards the Holy Spirit. And my wife had to correct her. And so did her husband. So, you know, you speak against oh, the Holy yeah. Spirit. You better be very careful how you say it. It was like people have this staunch, and it's not just with Orthodox. In other religions, when I was in the Middle East, I saw that. So it's just a stronghold, this veil that only the Lord can break. Force. Anyway, sorry. Oh no, no, it's totally fine because you're you're actually that is actually a very good point. And what's even more sad than that is you have a lot of Christian churches that are the same way. Absolutely. Just Absolutely. like when you mentioned earlier about the one girl that said, you know, uh, demons are real, you know. And the pastor cut her short on that because he said, you know, we don't talk about demons here. You know, we just talk about this. We focus on the good side of things. Exactly. And it's just like, if we don't understand that demons are real, and that even after we've become a Christian, because I'm just talking about my own personal experiences here, you can still get taxed by demons, attacks by demons. You just not, you have the power and the authority of Jesus Christ to cast them out. But that doesn't mean that they're no longer existence simply because you get saved, sometimes they may even be more prevalent now that you are saved. Because what they want is they want to get you back into that old life. So, you know, Satan sometimes will attack you more after you become saved because the last thing he wants you to do is get sanctified. The last thing that Satan wants you to do is get on fire for Jesus Christ. So it's like, I don't know in, in, if we'll ever actually tangle with the devil himself we will probably tangle with his minions. You know, if you tangle with Satan, you're on a whole nother spiritual level. Because it's like, you know, Jesus dealt with him in the wilderness, but that's because Jesus was a worthy opponent. Satan knew who he knew who he was at that point. You know, he's the son of God. But Satan's not really, he's not worried about us and the fact that it's like, if we're not really going against the kingdom of Satan, he's going to send out his other minions. He's going to send out lower level demons, higher level demons, fallen angels, and then if we get through all that, then yeah, maybe Satan. But right now, it's at, but it, it, the demonic air, the demonic realm is real, and we do deal with that. But that spirit, man, he does not want people knowing about that. He wants people to say, I'm a Christian, I have a happy-go-lucky life, nothing ever bothers me, and I hate to say this, because being attacked by demons is not fun. But if you do not experience some sort of demonic attack in your Christian walk, you're probably not doing anything for the Lord in the first place. Yes, there. That's a great point because, you know, what people need to understand, too, is the normalcy of demons. People think that demons themselves will just jump out, manifest, foam at the mouth, roll around, you know, leave me alone. You know, 
But, you know, demons really do act like average people. And that's how they go under disguise. They know how to disguise themselves. You may find people that like to talk a lot. You know, you may find people that will do different things. Some people are always negative. Some people just joke too much. You know, and that can be very well a demon that you're dealing with. But it just looks like, no, nah, that's just his way. No, that that's a demon. I'm not saying in every case, but even when people are afraid or just certain things that, you know, whatever comes up, it, you could be very well dealing with the demon. It, it's not an average person you're dealing with. Yeah. Exactly. I believe it would be God because, you know, in our sense, it's like if we are not, you know, on fire for the Lord enough, if we don't, you know, if we have not like fasted enough, if we're not praying enough, if we're not coming against the satanic kingdom or the satanic realm enough in our lives, then why are we going to go against the ruler of this world? If we're not even able to go through that much, you know, it's like if we can't go through the persecution that we're suffering now or going through now, because if we're not able to speak the name of Jesus in certain aspects, if we still have enough fear in us, Satan already controls that fear. Now, there are certain aspects in our life that he may control, but he's not going to actually like going to come against us because we're not at that level yet. And if we if we were, I believe we were to come against Satan in a, in a certain aspect of our life, we're not ready. We may die of a heart attack to see him in his true form. You know, she's actually right. I mean, it's like a thing of hierarchy. Like some people think they're fighting against the devil. The devil don't even know you're alive. I mean, you're just one of the many millions that he's controlling. But as you start to break through those realms, this is what she's saying, that eventually you become a threat. And that's why the, that spirit said, and uh, I don't know, you're going to use um, Acts 19 tonight? No. But remember when Jesus the demon says, Jesus, I know. Mm -hmm. And in Hebrew, Greek, it says, oh, we've heard about. But who are you? So you see, they don't know people that are not going up against their kingdom. You're just a sheep in line. But when you start breaking out and getting a little slick, getting a little rebellious, then the enemy's got to say, okay, I'm going to send this on you. And if that doesn't stop you, okay, we're going to go up the line. And then like he, like she said, when Jesus came, I mean, the devil knew I'm the only one who can contend with him. So I'm going to show up. It was Satan himself that entered into Judas. You see what I'm saying? Because this was an important moment that Jesus had to die. So yeah, he will show himself depending on the threat. And I agree. I think that uh, a lot of, I mean, it's, it's true. We are we are not fighting any physical warfare. This is spiritual warfare. So any one of us in this room, if we decide we are going to turn it up for the Lord, we, Lord, I'm surrendering everything and all to you. I'm going to turn to my Bible. I'm reading every minute, minute, minute. By the time you walk out of the door, the enemy already knows that he is preparing his attacks on how Oh, we're going to see about you reading your Bible every 24 hours and you get the opportunity. So the devil, like he said, like Brother Derek, Pastor Derek said, doesn't mm -hmm. care about you. He cares about the word. He wants to make sure the truth does not get out to the, you know, to the masses. And if you are hindering his plan, he's going to send every force that he can or whatever force that is to attack you. And it's for you to stand in the armor. 
that the board has given us because we're not fighting a natural fight or war. You go to work, sorry, we're going to have to uh, take your job from you. Well, oh, why? Oh, boy. They're, taking, they're, they're after me. No, it's the, the enemy is ramping it up. It's That's a high level of damage. Exactly. Coming after you. Because they know that you got that word. They want to steal it. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. He's exactly. And we should expect more tax. More tax. And that's a great point. We should expect more tax the further along we get with the Lord. We should just we should just start expecting it everywhere we go. And praising the Lord when it happens, because that means we're just getting that much closer to him. You know, and I believe that the further along we get and the more that this flesh and this fear comes off of us, we're going to be more ready for it. We're going to be more prepared for it, just like the disciples were. You know, they didn't cower in fear when all this stuff was happening. They were ready. They were prepared when it happened. Look at all the times that Paul was persecuted and he still went on. Almost died, shipwrecked numerous times, beaten so many times. The Holy Spirit even told him, this week awaits you in the city. This city is definitely not deterring. Exactly. Yes. Oh, no, it's going to be fine. It's like. <laughs> it's like Henry Gruber telling the story. I know some of us have heard this one where he was, you know, asleep and he had a vision. And all of a sudden he was in the streets of Rome with, you know, uh, his uh, other prayer warriors. And he went down the this, um, this flight of stairs, kind of make a long story short. And here they were, these two huge demons or fallen angels that reached the, the rooftops in this underground cellar. I mean, huge, you know, and they were like, why are you here? And he says, I'm here sitting on the authority of, of Jesus Christ. And they tried to get up and leave. And in the name of Jesus, he bound them with, with change and they fell to the ground. You know, this was in Rome. But so these two fallen angels controlled Rome. But that's how, that's a level that we get to in our walk. I think if some of us saw fallen angels today, we might, you know, fall over dead. So the Lord knows where we are in our walk. And that's why we have to be real with the Lord. We really, really, really do have to be real with the Lord saying, Lord, if I'm not ready for this, then help me. Because we don't want to take on and the Lord won't let us. Maybe he will to some degree to show us you're not ready for that, even though you think you are. But we have to be real with the Lord because this spirit right here. It really wants to cap people off of what they can do with the Lord and how far with the Lord that they can go with them. And that's why the spirit of the Pharisees is of the devil. It really is because they didn't they they wanted to crucify Jesus Christ. Here he is. He's the son of God. He's telling them all these things. And yet their heart was just like Pharaoh. It got harder and harder and harder. Every single time Jesus did something, every time he healed somebody, every time he cast out demons. Every time, you know, he tried to tell them something, you know, it just grew harder and harder. And yes, he knew that that was going to happen. But the thing is, they all had an opportunity to come to know the Lord. I mean, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who was Saul before, he was a Pharisee, Pharisee of Pharisees. He came to know Jesus Christ. So it was showing them it's not an impossibility for this to happen, guys. You can come to know the Lord because as soon as he got saved, who immediately did he go preach to? Those that he used to be buddies with, and now they want to kill him, <laughs> you know, but he was trying to tell them. But that goes to show how thick the veil is. Yes. They did not see. When Jesus Christ was spoken about thousands of years before, and they should have known to see the signs. You spoke about this, I think. I was listening to one of your teachings earlier today, and how they didn't recognize that. 
Jesus was the one sitting right in front of him the entire time. They didn't know that Jesus was coming to, he was the Messiah. You guys fully rejected him. And to sit here, you are the learned ones. You are the educated ones. You are the ones that's supposed to be. And then he spoke, he spoke about uh, John the Baptist, how he came. Who did you come to see? I dressed in camel's hair and, or fine clothing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing to me how we have blinders over us. You know, when you're unsaved, but your eyes are blind. Mm -hmm. It also says in Matthew that some believe because they didn't want this exposition. Well, and another thing, that, and that's a good point because if we expect that Jesus is going to come into our life in some way, you know, like Jesus didn't come to the Pharisees like they thought he should have come. And so they didn't believe in him. Like you said, even though all the signs were there, he is the Messiah. He's the one. This is how he's going to come. You know, son of David, born in Bethlehem. They didn't want to see it. You know, because, again, he wasn't doing everything that they were doing. He was outside of all of that. But if we are the same way, if we think that Jesus should come into our life in any other way than what this word says, we are just like them. We are just like the Pharisees, and we won't have Jesus Christ in our life. And we will turn our hearts from the Lord instead of to the Lord because of what his word says. Some are offended. You know, like it says in, in I believe it's Matthew 13, some heard the word. And they received it with joy. But when the affairs of this life or when persecution came, they left because it got too hard for them. You know, so if anything, if we're holding to this life in any way, shape or form, if we have a pony in this race, if we got certain things that we want to do in this life and we're not trusting in the Lord for everything. And it is a stepping process. You know, if you're newly saved, give your life to the Lord and let him direct you in all things. Because this world right now is trying to put everything in your face. And that is what the devil will do. He'll put every single thing in your face, shiny and brass and beautiful and blah. So that way you do not believe in Jesus Christ. He's going to do that with everything. And he's especially going to do that with religion. You know, like you said once before, Jesus is standing right here. And we were right under his leg, right into a church. We're talking about when we first get saved, tell Jesus. You know, he's always happy to see like a new believer. Mm -hmm. And you can just imagine the Lord stretching his arms out and we run right past Jesus, right into religion. You know, it's almost like we miss the relationship that he wants to have with us. Of course, we got to learn about him, but he also wants us to know him too. And I think sometimes we get so caught up with personalities and people and all this that the Lord is saying, come on, I'm going this way. And we're just, you know, we're just, happy to be saved you know like we, we ran right past the source you know just to become a member of something or another so mm -hmm. that's what she's talking about all right let's keep reading here uh i think of in verse uh, 31 wherefore i say unto you all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men but the blasphemy against the holy spirit shall not be forgiven unto unto men and whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh uh, against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world nor the world to come. So that is very, very important. And that actually, you know, what's yeah, the word I'm looking I for? Mean, uh, I've, I've heard many interpretations of what people try to say this verse means. Mm -hmm. And I hear people read it. It's, it's beautiful to hear it when you read it from the King James Version. But I've heard different pastors read about it 
Well, I was just saying this. This is why I think the Bible just said right here, if you speak against the Holy Spirit, that's blasphemy. And I don't know what you're interpreting. Not me. Right, right. And I heard things that are just contrary to what this word just said. So it angers me, for one, because then you're being a devil. You're being deceptive to other people. But I hear that out of your mouth. Because the paradigm is that everyone thinks the same thing. All of them are the same uh, seminary. Uh, and they all speak the same speaks, same talks. And the problem that I find is that when you say that, it creates confusion because the people hear this and then they go back and say, well, I've never did this. But it, it means this interpretation. Stop it, right? You know, I, I, I want to hear what the scriptures say. Yeah. Your interpretation. Sorry, I don't want to Well, no, it's totally so fine. The devil's selling ice cream outside right now. <laughs> 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 but you know it, it's it's true because that spirit of pharisees in, in seminary as well it's really there and it's just you know it's it's important that people understand this passage because there is this thing going out today you know on youtube where you can denounce the holy ghost and people I don't know if they really realize what they're doing or not. And I pray that they get to, I pray that, you know, if there's still an opportunity that they repent. And that's another thing that the devil's doing. That's another thing that the devil, it's all right. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord anyways. But that's another thing that the devil is doing is he is trying to get people to, uh, is he's uh, trying to get people to not understand what, that is all about. He's trying to get people to understand what blaspheming the Holy Spirit is actually going to do to them, and how it's like you can become reprobate if you do that. And so it's like I want people to know because that spirit of the Pharisee, you know, in in different versions, there are other versions that dumb down the scripture. They water down the scripture, you know. And like I said earlier, if you come to know Jesus Christ in a different version and you get saved, then hey, man, praise the Lord. But we have to understand what other versions actually do and how they do dumb down or mislead in some cases. You know, they can actually mislead people. But this right here is very important because the spirit of Pharisee don't want people to know about, you know, you can actually blaspheme the Holy Spirit and be reprobate. That's a disqualification from heaven from coming to know Jesus Christ. So, you know, there, there, are, there are actually churches out there today. There are certain Christian religions that don't believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit still exist. They do not believe in that. And they need to repent because I'm sure you can become reprobate over that. You know, and it's just some people say, well, people over here are doing this and people over there are doing that. And the sensationalism came, you know, early 1900s. And it was all sorts of messed up stuff. So people wanted to say, well, that was back then. That was in the disciples' day, but it doesn't happen anymore here because all this other nonsense is going on. What did what the Lord said? I'm the same today forevermore. God has not changed. He doesn't change. His word doesn't change. We may change. We become more knucklehead, but he doesn't change. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, exactly. Excuse my frustration. I just, sometimes I just don't want to put up. Oh, <laughs> the, trust me. The spirit of the Pharisee, it frustrates me too because it's leading people straight to hell. I mean, the spirit of the Pharisee, one second, the spirit of Pharisee is in, in Joel Osteen's church. The spirit of Pharisee is in T.D. Jakes' church. It's in Creflo Dollar's church. It's in any church 
that's not teaching repentance is in any church that's saying all you got to do is live this way, even though the Bible doesn't say go and live that way, even though the Bible doesn't say, you know, your checkbook is gold and give me all your money and all this stuff is going to happen to you. I mean, all of that is in that spirit of Pharisee, but people are flocking to it for the simple basis that they can continue to live the life that they're living, continue to live in their sin and, and not be convicted. And, not, and, and today it's getting so bad because it's like, you know, when you try and tell people about Jesus Christ and they're like, well, I'm fine. I'm just fine. Even though you're tattooed from head to toe, even though, you know, you have all sorts of diseases in your body because who knows what you've done so far in your life. Uh, you, all this stuff and people want to say that they're fine. And that's the demons in the person saying more or less we are fine. You know, because who knows how many demons they have. I know when the Lord saved me, I had a lot of demons in my life to get out because I remember them. And so there's a lot of demons that are in some people's life because of the lifestyle that they have lived before they come to know Jesus. You know, and so you try and tell them about Jesus Christ. And, and they don't they don't they don't really want to hear it, you know, but the spirit of Pharisees is trying to tell people, or, you know, you're fine. You can just live that life. But Jesus Christ didn't come here to tell people that you're fine. He came here to tell people you need to be healed of your sin. You need to be set free. But the Pharisees did not want that to happen. And the same thing is going on today because as long as the ties are being paid, as long as the building fund is still going on, as long as I can get my Learjet and all these fancy cars, as long as I can do this and live a very nice, you know, under wraps, undercover, Nobody knows about my own sinful life. Nobody knows about the adulterer or the adulteress or, or whatever's going on in the pastor's life. As long as everything looks pretty on the outside, then, hey, you're fine. But that's not what Jesus came to do. But that spirit is so strong today that when you try and tell people, hey, you know, you need to come to know Jesus because he can take all that away from you. They don't want it. You know, and it's just like in our own personal lives today. We really got to be prayed and fasted up because that's the way we're going to reach people today. I have noticed it. I know other people have noticed it. When we pray and we fast, it's like those demons know. Those demons know. It's like, uh-oh, we're about to get cast out. Go ahead, Deborah. Yeah, uh, one thing with interpretation, like reading scripture and then sort of bending it to be more comfortable or to be more understandable, kind of like we were talking about that verse for blaspheming the Holy Ghost. The danger of that and even cessationism, um, one, I have a friend whose um, husband does, doesn't believe in the gifts. And one thing that he's said is, like, in the letter of the Corinthian church, his instructions about tongues and things like that was specifically to that church because they had that gift. And it's only applicable to that church at that time and not applicable to our church now. And the danger with that is suddenly anything in the Bible that you don't like, you're not comfortable with, you can sit there and try to justify and find, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, well, that was just for them, or that was just because of this. And, yeah, yeah, and um, and so it's just, um, it's just like, it's hard. It just starts hard. I don't know, I got out of words. It's disgusting, <laughs> yeah. you know, because it's really taking holy words and just deciding to say, well, I don't believe it today, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. you... You try and undo everything that the Lord has done, and that's that's filthy. Mm -hmm. That's nasty, you know. That's it's just that it's the Lord's doing it. It's not the disciples. It's not the time. Mm -hmm. We're in a different covenant. 
But that's why the devil had to get into the church and he had to change things. And we're going to keep reading here for a second for the sake of time. But he had to change things. He had to get on the inside and work and work his magic because he couldn't do it on the outside anymore. He realized that the church was too full of Jesus for that to happen. So what he do, he went on the inside. He started messing things up. He started putting wish on people. He started changing things. He started changing the church. He started changing, you know, uh, how people read the scriptures or how not they read the scriptures. He took parents away from disciplining their children. He took parents away from actually, you know, I'm the parent, you're the child. You know, we're going to read the Bible together. I'm going to pray over my children. You know, Job, even though he was persecuted by Satan and God allowed it, prayed over his children that they come to know Jesus Christ. He prayed over them because he knew that the lifestyle that they lived. So he prayed for them. So that's another thing that that spirit's trying to do. It got inside to devour. It like, you know, kill, steal, and destroy. And that is what Satan has done to the church. That is what Satan has done to the so-called Christians today. He is destroying them. That's what that spirit does. It conquers and it destroys. And it destroys people at large. That's what it's trying to do. And it I hate to say it. It is working wonderfully today because that's all people want to do is go to church, sit in there, have a little 30-minute service, go home, do whatever, and there's no Jesus Christ in their life. That's how dangerous that that spirit is today. And we're looked at, we're looked at like weirdos and outsiders and outcasts because we don't believe that. We believe what the Bible says. Maybe everything in this world we're not doing to the letter just yet, but we know we have a goal. That's what we want to do. You know, we want to live like Jesus. We want to take this word at face value. We believe everything this Bible says. You know, we believe that the end times are just around the corner. We believe that we can't put our trust in this political system because it's run by Satan. <laughs> you know, we believe that the pastor's word is not gold. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the way. You know, every time, you know, someone gets up here, every time Derek gets up here, or any, anything else like that, what's always said, don't take my word for it. Have your Bibles in front of you. Read this word for yourself, because if I say something that's not in accordance to the scripture, I need to know. Every time we're up here and every time we're giving this gospel out, guess what? We're in the hot seat because if we say anything that's not in accordance to this word, we could be letting, uh, leading others astray. We could be leading others to hell. We've got to be very careful. And I pray, Lord Jesus Christ, if I say something tonight that's not of you, convict me that I can make it right. Because that's the last thing that we want to do is stand before the Lord. He say, why did you say this tonight? That was wrong. And you could have led so-and-so down the wrong path. Yes, sir. John 12, 42 says, Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him, but because the Pharisees, they did not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out in the synagogue. And that's back in the day, but I feel even now, the interaction that some people have with Jesus, they cannot deny. And when the church just kind of has that Pharisee spirit over them, but they have the fear of being put out of the synagogue, same kind of situation. Mm -hmm. So, what uh, you know, what do you recommend without before they're burnt out? Uh, you know, because you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you, they you, need to go to another church. They need to go to that church, right? Mm -hmm. And you, we, we hesitate to say that because you don't want 
divide, but if you're dividing them from Pharisee or false teaching, that's just what they'll do. If you go to a church and they're, and you have your wits about you, because not many people in church today too, but if you have your wits about you and you understand what the scripture says, if someone up there is preaching something and it does not sound right, it sounds like it's going against the scriptures, and you go up to the pastor because the pastor, he's not some great angel man or whatever. He's just a man. You know, if you feel like you should go up to the pastor, then do so. Say, look, this is what the scripture actually says. You know, and I believe that in you saying this, it's an error. If he doesn't agree with what you're saying, find yourself another place to go. In most cases, it's not Christians with their wits about them. It's Christians that, like Jared said, walk past Jesus to go into the church. So it's new baby Christians, you know, and there's kind of that first year when you're in your babies that you can just, they can either be a superstar or they can just be insane and rot for the next 20 years. So, you know, it's just, I guess you just pray for them. Yes, definitely pray for them. And I pray that the new Christians will also pray that they be led into the right place to go. Yeah. Because, I mean, especially you're, you're in a place out here where this is like the Baskin Robbins of religion out here. You know, whatever you feel that you believe, you can have it out here. And it ain't the truth most of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I pray. It's like if you're a new believer and you're listening in, pray that the Lord leads you somewhere where they are preaching the truth outside of here. You know, if you're in another state, you're in another country, and you're soaking up this word, by all means, listen in. But, you know, if you're praying that you can get somewhere where you are locally, in, a, in a, another body of believers that you can actually be around, pray about it. And that the Lord will direct you. Yeah. You know. Get into your word and don't depend on you. Exactly. You have to be in And we can be led by the Holy Spirit. Right. Because the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth into all righteousness so that's why i know you know we have to believe in the holy spirit well, we, we have did, to yeah and the lord did give us the fivefold ministry you know so we're not going to overlook that mm-hmm. because he gave us that so that we could grow and develop but i i believe like you guys are saying even with you know having those you've got to read your word yes, yourself yeah, yes. and let the word the lord Amen. work with you but thank god for some of the teachers and things that i've had because oh, yeah. they helped me to understand things that would have taken maybe 40 years. It was their study, their burning, their midnight oil, trusting the Lord and getting revelation that actually helped my work easier. Now, has the Lord revealed things to me since then? Absolutely. But you know, we do need some teachers, you know, at times, but then there are people that learn outright as well. The Holy Ghost is the teacher, you know, and he's gonna make all corrections on all people. But we can't overlook the fivefold ministry either because it was given by Christ exactly. to perfect the saints. But yes, we should get into our word. I get what Amen. you're saying. Yes. Right. Yeah, I was um, just thinking about what what was being said about um, um like a, being a part of a, a church that is not speaking you know, the word. Um what came to my mind is what the Lord says, like come for the moment and be separate. Um and, and I thought of like the five Five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins, how like they were clearly set apart. How the five wise did not intermingle with the five foolish. Mm-hmm. So um that that is just a clear example of how the Lord is letting us know like that, that is not the company that you know we should be or be around. Amen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. 
they said no. Well, you know, you can tell again as you can buy. Um, a good example is uh, this is something that uh, I think last week we were here speaking. Um, there were two Russian defectors back in, I believe, they were either the early 80s or even 70s. They said that in order for us to bring communism to the United States, or uh, I guess socialism or soft communism type, is we have to get into their society, their lives, we need to get into their churches, we need to get into their politics or political politics and change them from within. You can't do it on the outside, you can't do it with the war. And that was a, the beginning of the attacks. And it started years before. That was the modus or the motive of the communists. Get in softly. You don't do it like Fabian socialism. You don't do it peacefully. And people, uh, doctors that started to come in, doctors of the devil, started mm-hmm. coming into the churches, hey, this music is a little different, but we must just try it out. It's almost similar to the world, but it's not of the world. Uh, the dancing, or whatever you want to call it, uh, and then you start to get these slight doctrines of the preaching. Well, God didn't really mean this. You can speak about it why, but just kind of maintain some sort of, uh, and, I'm, and I'm not being sarcastic, I'm being real, because a lot of places believe things and it's got to a point. And this is why you start to see what you see today. Whether it's a mega church or churches believe in the Holy Spirit, the church that doesn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, it's just little by little this has been produced because the devil knows that he can do it from inside mm-hmm. rather than on the outside with guns and force and you know demons and manifesting. He's very subtle. Well, one one phrase that's come about recently, and after this, I'm gonna keep reading. Um, <laughs> we got to keep reading for a second time. Is it's subject to interpretation? That has begun a big one with scripture. Well, that is subject to interpretation. That is your interpretation. I'm like, no, that's what the Bible says. It's not my interpretation of it. That's what it says. But that's that's a phrase that's going around today. Is everything is subject. to to interpretation. Well, that's like our Catholic friends. They said, well, everything in the Bible is not literal. They're going to find out wrong. <laughs> then they go back to a catechism. But then take it literally when it says, you know, we're drinking Jesus' blood. Like, we're drinking that by now, but you know. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's keep reading here. We're in verse 33. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, that every idle word that a man shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. So he was letting them know right here, you generation of vipers. How can you be evil, speak good things? He's letting them know every single word that you say, every single word that we say, we are going to give an account for when we stand before Jesus Christ. Everything that we say, every single thing that we think. And he was letting them know that because he knew what this spirit was all about. Jesus had already known that that spirit was going to be alive today. He already knew what the churches were going to be alive today. But that's why he was letting them know. 
That's why he was telling them, you know, how can you be evil? Because they were evil in their hearts. You're trying to keep people from coming and being healed. You're trying to keep people from serving the Lord. You're trying to keep people from doing all these things and growing in the Lord. That is pure evil. And that's what's going on in the church today. And those individuals that are doing it, they're going to be, hey, they're going to be judged by the Lord, especially if they're not listening to sound doctrine. You know, if someone goes up and tells them, hey, this is what the scriptures actually say, and they turn away from it, it's between them and the Lord because they can't say that they didn't know. And some people are willfully doing this. They know full well what they're doing. They are controlled by the Satan. They're controlled by other people. That's a different subject than what we're talking about tonight. But they are being controlled by the devil to keep people at bay, to keep people dumb, to keep people dumb sheep so they do not follow after the Lord and get right with him. So, you. well, it just reminds me too, like, God is a divider. He divides a lot the light from the dark, um, the wheat from the tears at times, but um, he does want his people to be together in unity. You know, she said that he didn't want to divide the church, but otherwise they're going to get lost and go on the other side. They don't have Jesus in their heart. No, totally. I hear what you're saying. Um, I wouldn't have found some of the people that I found if it wasn't for the spirit of the Lord. I mean, one Mm -hmm. thing we've got to do is, and I know you're not meaning to, but, you know, it's like we got to give the Lord, you know, total credit. Because mm-hmm. all of us met each other through the means of someone else. So it was the grace of God that led that situation into us knowing each other and fellowshipping together. And even if we have to go to a foreign country to minister for the Lord, he's still in control. But I get what you're saying, too, as far as divisions. But, you know, we also got to get to that place, too, of recognizing, hey, if this isn't helping me or if this is trouble or if the spirit of God even commands you to up and go. He's done that. Barnabas and Paul argued. Remember, they had an issue and God just divided them and made the work doubly as good, you know? But, okay, you guys can't get along? Then go where you need to go and and bring back some fruit while you're at it. But, you know, that's what he'll do. So it's total trust in him. I mean, whatever he says, but yeah. I know where Christina's coming from because she's feeling like, you know, you don't want to see the body of Christ divided up and things, but you know, a lot of the times it might need to be because everybody that walks with you ain't going to continue with you. Mm. You know, Jesus said it's going to be division. He brought the sword because he knew that some would believe and some would not. The Gentiles, yeah. So just because there's a prophet here that is grouped by the Holy Spirit of the Lord, he also has another group prophet in here. His body is, is worldwide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, back to the synagogue, the <laughs> Christian synagogue. If you feel that the pastor said something, and let's say he doesn't be a Christian, uh, you know, Derek will say you bring it up to the pastor, and he doesn't, he doesn't want to you know, really address the word. Instead, he wants to say, oh, we don't believe that. That's interpretation. That's how you feel. You do have to separate yourself from that. That that I mean, we or you know, little even ruins the whole thing. Yeah. You have to separate yourself from that thinking and take the dust off your feet. And and as a new Christian, it's scary, but you have to trust the Lord, like Garrett said, to bring 
do want people that are going to encourage you. Don't be stuck in the church just because mm-hmm. oh well, this is this is it. You know, this is as close as I can get. You know, no. You have, if you have a standard and you're thinking that that they're not from the word, you feel like you're compromising every time you go there. I've been in those churches. So many churches like that. It's just it's only discouraging. It hasn't mm-hmm. for the point for the for the for the goal of fellowship. Don't lower your biblical standards. You know? no, exactly. You don't. You know, there are people worldwide, and again, like you said, Sarah, if you have to go, you know, plug in on Bible studies, do it. You know, if you have to watch videos, do it. And still try to be part of the fellowship. But again, no using as a new believer or old Well, I know I was raised in religion until I was 24. And then I got out and I lived like the world for, you know, so many years, 13-ish, probably more, even when I was in religion. and. When the Lord finally saved me, I, you know, this is, uh, you know, before the ministry started, um, I was looking for a place to go. You know, I was like, all right, you know, my thinking is, you know, going back to my roots is I need to get in a church. So I went around here and I was looking at churches and I sit down, I listen to the pastor. You know, I know I've only been saved for a little bit. But that don't sound right. That does not sound right. And I, I leave. I get up and I walk out because it did not sound right. And it was like the Holy Spirit was telling me, you need to get out of there. You need to leave now. And I just did not want to go to a church for the sake of going to a church. Because I did that when I was younger and it got me nowhere. I had no more relationship with Jesus Christ than, you know, someone who was in the bar, who I ended up being, you know. And so it's just, and I understand what you're saying. There are some people out there today they get saved. They were not raised in any kind of religious setting. And for some reason, you know, for some of them, that may actually be better because they don't have that in their background. They don't have to worry about all these doctrines and whatnot that they came up, the baggage of that that comes with it. They don't have to worry about that. They get saved and they can get on fire for the Lord because they didn't come out of religion, you know. But to go to, you know, to go to a place and they get saved, they may not. And that's why it's like, however means they get saved. If somebody witnesses to them and says, hey, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. That person should be able to help that new Christian out with how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because they themselves should have it within their own heart. You know, that's why when we go out and we tell people about Jesus Christ, we have to know. Guess what? You have a disciple now. They need to know about Jesus Christ. You can't just lead them to you know to 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 the cross and leave them there you know it's up to you now i mean it is their decision to make but we're supposed to be there to help them and to guide them that's why we know we know exactly you know and we're not knowing this word simply because for our own i mean it is for us but it's not just for us it's so everyone else can come and know it too all right guys we got to keep reading here all right uh let's uh verse 38 then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. And he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days, was three nights, or three days and three nights in the well's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas and behold a greater than Jonas is here the queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment 
with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and finding none. Then he saith, I shall return to my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. Then he goeth and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and there enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be, even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. So he was letting them know that the Ninevites, who eventually would be destroyed, but they did repent. They repented so hard that they even covered their cattle. They covered their livestock and sat for. That's how much in their heart they repented. And the, the queen of the south, because she came to hear the words of Solomon. She came from the uttermost part. That's what the Lord wants in us. Not the queen of the, you know, the south. But he wants us coming so repentant. He wants us coming to the uttermost parts in our heart to seek the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he wants from us. But these, spirit of the, but these Pharisees could not hear it. That's why he called them the generation that they did. That's why he said, you will be judged by them. Because at least they repented when they heard the words of the Lord. But the Pharisees would not repent. And that's why he said, let's look at verse 45 again. And he goeth and taketh himself, oh yeah, seven other spirits. Because that man who comes to know the Lord, if he's not guided, if he's not directed in what to do, and he has all these demons cast out of him, and he's just walking around, you know, no Holy Ghost in his life. He's just going to church and he's having a good time. Guess what? That, that, that demon is going to double back. He's going to see, hey, you know what? Look at this person. They're going to church, yet they're over here at the whorehouse. They're over here at the strip club. They're over here doing this, thinking that they can do all this stuff, yet they supposedly have repented of their sins now in their church. But when there's no Holy Ghost there, when there is no direction in that person's life, when no one has taken that person, and I'm not saying it's not their decision to stay with the Lord, it is. But if there's no direction in that person's life, if the Holy Ghost is not leading them, that demon is not only going to enter back into that person's life, he's going to bring seven other demons. And that person's life is going to be worse than the first state that that person was in. Why? Because they didn't go the right direction. They just, they came so far with the Lord, just so far with the Lord, but they did not continue to go on. They decided, you know what? I'm not seeing it here. I'm just really not seeing it here. You know, I, I've tried to come to the Lord or maybe they're faking it in ministry or whatever. You see them, they're all happy sometimes and they're like, yeah, everything's cool. And you don't see them for a while. And then you finally see that person again and the state of that person is really bad. And you're like, man, what happened to you? You know, why did you go off? Why did you do this? Why didn't you come back? You know, and even if you try and contact the people, and they didn't, you know, go to, they didn't get back with you and stuff like that. You know, it wasn't really in them at some times. You know, you showed them the word. They said, yeah, I want to come to know the Lord. Maybe even they prayed over it and you talked to them. But if you notice, sometimes it got a little further and further and further and further away from talking to one another. And that state is worse off. And he's trying to let the Pharisees know the same thing as them. 
those demons inside of the Pharisees, because yes, they had demons. They were demon-possessed by what they had, because their hearts would not turn into hearts of flesh. They would not come to know Jesus, and he was standing. He was letting them know. He was quoting to them from the Old Testament, Jonah, from the Old Testament about Solomon. He was letting them know, and they still would not hear. They still would not believe, because they wanted to live their own way, their own life. All right, let's continue on from here uh, for time. Let's go to uh, Isaiah 57. Verse 1. Verse 1. Yes. All right, Isaiah 57 and 1. Let's start reading here. The righteous perish, and no man layeth it to the heart. A merciful man, and merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. He shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. But draw near hither, ye sons of sorcerers, the seed of adulterers and whores, against whom do ye sport yourselves. Against whom make ye a wide mouth, and draw out the tongue, and are not children of transgression a seed are ye not children of uh, children of transgression, a seed of falsehood, inflaming yourselves with idols under every green tree, slaying the children in the valleys under the cliffs of the rock, among the smooth stones of the streams is thy portion, they they are thy lot. Even to them that thou hast poured a drink offering, thou hast offered a meat offering. Should I receive comfort in these? Upon a lofty and high mountain thou hast set thy bed. Even thither wentest thou up to offer sacrifice. So this spirit was way back then. I mean, if you can read it right here, how he's talking about them, what they said. You know, how, um, let's go back here. Verse 5, inflaming yourselves with the idols under every green tree. The Pharisees had their phylacteries so huge, and they had all their documents and stuff like that. And the bigger your phylactery meant, the more that you knew. So this spirit was way back then, deceiving people, leading people astray. They made their beds on lofty, lie, mount, uh, hof, lo, lofty high mountaintops, looking down upon the people. That's what the Pharisees did in their day. They looked down upon the people. If you didn't act like them, if you didn't dress like them, if you didn't worship the same way as they did, they looked down on you. And, you know, they were of the, the rich and the high and the mighty and stuff like that. And so uh, this was even back then that they were doing that. That spirit was all the way then, leading people astray. Okay, let's keep reading here. Verse 8. Behind the doors also, and the post has thou sent up. Thy remembrance, for thou hast discovered thyself to another than me, and art gone up. Thou hast enlarged thy bed, and made thee a covenant with them. Thou lovest their bed, where thou sawest it. And thou wentest to the king with ointment, and did increase thy perfumes, and didst send thy messengers far off, and didst, and didst debase thyself even unto hell. Thou art wearied in the greatness of thy way, yet saidest thou not. 
there is no hope. Thou hast found the life of thy hand, therefore thou wast not grieved. Of, and of whom hast thou been afraid or feared? That thou hast lied, and hast not remembered me, nor laid it to thy heart. Have I not held my peace even of old? And thou fearest me not? I will declare thy righteousness and thy works, for they shall not profit thee. So he is letting these people know. You know, um, forgive me. The works that they were doing were deceitful works. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. The Pharisees were doing deceitful works. They didn't recognize God because it said in the New, Te New Testament, if you had known Abraham, you would have known that he served the living God, which they did not do. So they tried to say that they knew God in their hearts that they did not know God. And these individuals right here were the exact same way. You know, in verse in verse 11, it says, Of whom hast thou afraid or have been afraid or feared that thou hast lied and hast not remembered me? So these individuals were not remembering the Lord. The Pharisees did not remember God. They did not remember what, you know, Jesus Christ did in the Old Testament. That's why they could not recognize him when he came in the flesh. And they didn't want to recognize him because they were satisfied with what they were doing. They were happy with how they were living because they were high and mighty. They were lofty. They were looking down on other people. And, as, you know, as long as they were living their life and they were going to the synagogue and debating over certain things, and the people were just off doing their own thing, they were fine. But when Jesus Christ came, what did he do? He tore that veil in half. And he set the Pharisees in half. And that's why when he came, all of a sudden, things turned around. All of a sudden, there was trouble now for the Pharisees. That's what I find. Exactly, like he went in. He went in and turned over the, the tables of the money changers. Because what were they doing? What the church is doing today. You know, using people for their money, using people for their gain, not giving people Jesus Christ. All right, let's keep reading here. Um, you brought up a great point. Um, sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. But you know, this is also very true because, you see, it doesn't take much for a lot of people to hear Jesus mentioned, and it's good enough for them to feel like they're fed over years and years. I mean, we gotta really ask ourselves, if someone's preaching the same thing all the time, if they're not really telling you what awaits you as a Christian, if they're not trying to tell you the things that God wants you to do, then I mean, are they really telling you something? Because you see, some people will say, well, he said Jesus, I just heard it. You know, so therefore I'm Christian and they're Christian and I can relax. But is that the truth? We need discernment. We need to be able to understand what is going on here. You know, are these people just trying to get my money by mentioning Jesus every now and then and talking about his love? Or are they really educating me to the place of understanding Christ that much more, that I can advance and do what the Lord tells mm -hmm. me to do? That's important. Now, I just felt moved by the Spirit to mention oh, that, so funny. I don't want to interrupt. That's but funny. you see, a lot of us think we feel, as long as I hear Jesus, okay, all right. I can relax. But what about Jesus? You see what I'm saying? <laughs> that That's important that we need to understand. Not just that he's being mentioned, but how does it apply to you? You know? Exactly. Sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. 
That's a great point too. Verse 13. When thou criest, let thy company deliver thee. But the wind shall carry them all away. Vanity shall take them. But he that putteth his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. And shall say, cast ye up, cast ye up, prepare the way. Take up the stumbling block out of the way of my people. So he's letting them know right here, take up the stumbling block. You know, when thou criest, let thy company deliver thee. The wind shall carry them all away. Vanity shall take them. But he that put his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. So the Pharisees were the stumbling block. You know, they, like I said, they did not trust in the Lord. They trusted in what they could get. They trusted in their own gain of then. And that's what they're doing today. They're trusting in their own gain, not trusting in the Lord. I'm not saying every pastor out there is a Pharisee. I'm not saying every pastor out there is not preaching the truth, but it's on a larger scale today than before. And it's it's a sad thing because it's like some people may not even know that that spirit's even in their church. Some people know full well that that spirit's in their church and they won't leave because the Pharisee is casting a spell over people to keep them there, to keep them dumbed down. But it says here, if he trusts in the Lord, he will give him his holy mountain. He will give us his Holy Spirit if we trust in the Lord. Did you have a point? Well, just uh, reminding me of back in scriptures on verse 10. It said, um, thou hast found the life of thy hand and the of thy hand for all works. So give me all my own and so when the Holy Spirit comes in, that's a threat because now mm-hmm. it's not just them. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Okay, verse 15. For they for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. Holy is whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever, neither will I be always wroth. For the spirit should fell, shall fall before me and the soul which I have made. For the iniquity of the covetousness was I wroth and smote him. I hid me and was wroth. And he went on forwardly in the way of his heart. I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will lead him also and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of his lips. Peace, peace to him that is afar off and to him that is near, saith the Lord. I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest. Those waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, I say, said, saith my God, for to the wicked. So he's letting people know. It's like, I know what your heart is like. I know you've turned forward. I know that you've done this, and I know that you have done that. And I can heal that person, the Lord is saying. I can heal them. But for the wicked, for those Pharisees, there is no rest for those Pharisees. Because their reward is damnation. Their reward is hell unless they come to know the Lord. He can heal people that have a contrite spirit. He can heal people that are humble before the Lord. We all know that we got something inside of us that the Lord doesn't control yet. I know I do. But the Lord can heal us if we give it to him. But if we've got a heart of stone, if we're a Pharisee, 
sometimes Pharisee. Maybe we don't recognize it sometimes Pharisee. You know, it's not intentional Pharisee. That right there, the Lord, he can't heal that yet because it's still stone. It's still a rock and it's not his rock and it's got to be cast out. All those things of the Pharisees have got to come out of us because they can lead other people astray. How's their chain? Like, that's bonding. It's really hard. It's really hard to break down if you don't allow it to give it up. Um, because we're so focused on so religion and the law. You're doing it, you're not accepting the grace. Exactly. All right, let's go to Luke 11 and verse 33. All right, Luke 11 and verse 33, I'm going to start reading. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, putteth it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in it may see the light. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when the eye is single, thy whole body is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If thy whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part of dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of the candle doth give light. So we've got to be that light to the world. But if you've got that spirit inside of you, you're darkness. And you're trying to hide that light under a bushel, which is impossible. You know, it's like basically saying, telling somebody, here, take this candle, it's lit. And they're looking at you like you're crazy because it's not lit. But your mind is so deceived thinking that I know Jesus Christ, I know this word, I know this Bible, and I'm going to do all these things. And, you know, my pastor said this and that, and this is how it's supposed to go. But your candle's not lit. There is no Holy Ghost inside of us, so he can't light that candle. So we're trying to hide it. We're trying to be religious in those ways. And so when we do that, we have darkness within us. I remember younger, when I was younger, in the church I was going to, we'd go on visitation, soul winning on, on Wednesdays. And we would go downtown to the college area, NC State, and all that kind of stuff where I was at. And I was with a group of people. And I was just, I hope nobody would talk to me. I did not want to fill in hand and had some tracks. Here you go, read this. But that's as far as I wanted to go with talking to people, was giving them a track and saying, come to our church. I didn't want to do any more talking than that. Because why? You you can only talk about what you know. So it's like, if you don't know the Lord, how, you, how are we going to talk about him? How are we going to draw closer to him? You know, going on soul winning on Wednesday night got in the way of my TV watching. I'd rather have been at home watching my TV programs because that's where my life was at. And that's exactly what that spirit does to people. Yes, go out on soul winning Wednesday night. Give them a 12 step track to come to know Jesus. And that's all you have to do. And that does not even scratch the surface. And that is darkness because it's more than 12 steps to come to know Jesus Christ. It is a lifetime experience to come to know Jesus Christ. 
And so to do that, but that's the that's the doctrine of that's one of the doctrines to do. You know, go out, tell people, tell people about your church, tell people about your religion and whatnot. And that is all that you have to do. That is darkness. Because the light cannot have part with the darkness. And when we have that light in us, we are going to let it shine. We are going to let it shine bright. And the more we have Jesus Christ in us, the brighter that light is. All right, let's keep reading verse 37. And as he spake, a certain Pharisee besought to dine, uh, besought him to dine with him. And he went in and sat down to meet. And when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. And the Lord said unto him, Now do ye, Pharisee, make clean the outside of the cup and the flatter, but your inward part is full of ravenings and wickedness. Ye fools, did not the did not he that make that which is without make that which is within also? But rather give alms to such things as ye have, and behold, all things are clean unto you. But woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and pass over judgment and the love of God, and pass over judgment and the love of God, that ye ought, that ought ye have done, and not to leave the other undone. Woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye love the uppermost seats in the synagogue and greetings in the market. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are as graves with which appear not, and the men that walk over them are not aware of them. So he's calling them like why suffer on them a dead, you know, an empty tomb. Yeah, exactly. Yes, Christina. Uh, are you gonna go into like the two baptisms at all? Oh, so. okay. I just it reminded me of like you know, they're trying to wash themselves clean on the outside and do all the right things, but forgetting about the inside, which means you have to go through both baptisms, the water and the um, fire, or some pledge, and that's when the spirit gets in your heart and is able to take Which a lot of the purchasers, the churches who deny the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God, the gifts, that's what they are denying. Mm-hmm. It is that second baptism. Exactly. When if you look here back in verse 42, it says that they gave all these tithes, that they passed over judgment and the love of God. So what does that mean? It's like these people don't know the Lord. They don't know his love. They don't know his goodness. You know, they don't know what it means to repent and have your lives changed. Yes, because it's all about the money. It's all about the tithe. It's all about you better give that 10 percent, man. Or it's like some religions, it's like they will actually check your bank account or something like that to make sure that you, hey, man, you made this much money. Yeah, take the W-2. And I'm like, where in the Bible did it ever say that Jesus checks some of these tax forms to make sure (laughs) of anything, you know? They check your W-2 to see, are you really giving 10%? Mm -hmm. Really, that's not even a New Testament, you know, or commandment. So it's just giving, yeah, you know, but Tithing, no. And this spirit has gone, this spirit has gotten so bad that it's like you, like I was saying earlier, you try and talk to people about it, and you got former Mormons, there's, you know, and we got former Jehovah's Witness here. And so it's not like it's impossible, but some people, they're so hard because they're like, 
well, it wasn't religion used to, you know, wars in the old and stuff like that. And you try and tell them, it's like, yes, those were religious wars. But that's not what following Jesus Christ is all about. But that's how bad that that spirit has gotten. It's like, man, you have got some hard shells to crack today because of what religion has done to some people. It is such a bad taste in their mouth that you live, you got to show them. Sometimes it can take a while before they get it, before they see it. And you know what? If they don't want to see it, all you got to tell them is this. We're not promised tomorrow. We are not promised another day on this earth. I was telling a young man at work that. I said, we are not promised tomorrow. And if we die, there are only two choices. You know, exactly, you know, because it's just that's how bad it's gotten. So, all right, let's keep reading here. Verse 45. They answered one of the lawyers and said unto him, Master, thus saying thou reproach us, thou reproachest us also. And he said, Woe unto you also, you lawyers, for you laid men with burdens grievous to be born, and you yourselves touch not the burdens. With one of your fingers. Woe unto you, ye, for ye build the sepulchres of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. Truly, you bear witness that ye also allow the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed kill them, and ye build their sepulchres. Therefore, also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they shall slay and persecute that the blood of the prophets, which was shed from the mountain of the world, foundations of the world, may be required of, required of this generation, from the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple. Verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe unto you, lawyers, for ye have taken away the keys of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and them that were entered in, ye hindered. And as he said these things unto them, the scribes and Pharisees began to urge him vehemently and to provoke him to speak of many things, laying wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they may accuse him. So even with all that, they provoked him. And they didn't provoke him to, to come to know him. They provoked him so they may accuse him, so they may find something in him that wasn't right. So what does that tell you? That's happening today. There are people out there today that are doing that. You have a lot of atheists out there saying, if I only had enough proof, I would believe. Man, there, there, was, there would not be enough evidence, there would not be enough proof, proof to convict somebody whose heart is not open to receive it. And, yes, and that is just the, that's the plain and simple truth. It's like a textbook answer. If, if I had enough evidence, man, enough evidence is all around you. You just don't want to believe. Like I heard uh, Pastor Price say too before that, you know, it's funny how some people will, you know, when, when in his congregation that they'll just be sitting there listening to him and he's saying something and you can almost see that, you know, like waiting to see him say something wrong so that they can catch him out there. And he said, you know, what's so funny about that is, you're not even paying attention to the message that could be for you. But some people wait to hang you up. And the funny thing is, it's like, mm -hmm. he said, you don't see me following you around, wondering what you're doing. You know, I'm, I'm obeying the Lord and doing what he says. But that is a Pharisee spirit. And I, at one point, I remember going into some churches with that spirit on me. 
a religious spirit, like if they don't measure up to what I know and I believe concerning this, man, then just blank them out. So I would sit there and look for errors. Never mind the message. I'm looking for the errors. And when you look at that, it's like that, that was a Pharisee spirit I had. Where the Lord is like, just just sit yourself down and listen. Perhaps they got something that you can learn, you know, that you can bring forward. But it's so proud that it's almost like you walk in and you've got to compare everyone to yourself. Yes. Now that I look back on that, you know, I repay I mean, it's an ugly thing to just sit there and just. Right. Right. You know, because you're just waiting for an end. But really, you want to argue. That's really what it is. I want to show my dominance over someone else. And that's foolishness. I mean, that, that's not of the body of Christ. Sorry. No, it's true. And I tell you another thing that spirit of Pharisee does. It crosses gender, it crosses race, it crosses national you know, race and nationality, same thing. It crosses countries and states, whatever. That spirit of Pharisee is so deep because it will tell one nationality you're of the body of Christ. It'll tell another nationality you're of the body of Christ. And that's it doesn't say that in the scripture. You know, you got Hebrew Israelites out there today thinking that they know who God is. And it couldn't be further from the truth. It's not about race. It really is not. It's not about different things. It's about knowing Jesus Christ in our hearts. that crucified and you know nailed him to the cross beside ourselves in our sin you know and so but what Derek said that's a really great point because I have found myself in that too you know you're sitting there listening to somebody and trying to catch my ha got you on this and that's not what it's about you know all right for the second time let's keep going here let's go to Mark 8 and verse 1 and we're going to talk about how predominant this spirit is and how it can actually leech on to people. If our minds are not hidden Christ, what it can do. All right. Mark 8, and we'll start at verse 1. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus and his, called his disciples unto him and said unto them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days. And have had nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for diverse of them came from afar. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these with bread here in the wilderness? So this spirit was on the was on his disciples for a short moment, because they did not have belief in Jesus Christ for what he could do. So let's keep reading. And he asked them, how many loaves have ye? And they said, seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave to his disciples to sit before them. And they did sit them before the people. And they had a few small fishes. And he blessed and commanded to sit them also before them. 
So they did eat and were filled. And they took up the broken meat that was left, seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about four thousand. And he sent them away. And straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples and came into part of, parts of Dalmanutha. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question him, seeking of a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why doth this generation seeketh after a sign? Verily I say unto you, There shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them and entered into the ship again, departing and departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye? Because ye have no bread. Perceive ye not yet? Neither understand. Have ye your heart? Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes and seeing not, and ear having ears and hear not. And do ye not remember when I break the five loaves among the five thousand? How many baskets of basketfuls of fragments took ye up? And they said unto him, Well, and when the seven among the four thousand. How many baskets full of baskets full of fragments you took up? And he, they said seven. And he saith unto them, How is it that ye do not understand? So he was letting them know, you guys have got to be careful that the leaven of the Pharisees does not come into your own life. He was letting them know, did you already forget about the five thousand and just not long ago, the 4,000, what I did for them, and they were filled, and how many basketfuls you took up. Have you already forgotten about that? Do you have eyes that you cannot see and ears that you cannot hear? He was warning his disciples of this spirit because he knew one day the comforter was going to come and be upon them. He wasn't physically going to be walking with them anymore, and the Pharisees and that spirit was now going to be after them. Right now, they're after Jesus, but eventually they were also going to be after his disciples. And you know what? Same thing happening today. We can take everything that we're talking about tonight from the Old Testament and we can bring it into forward time. We can bring it to the here and now. People have eyes and ears that they cannot see, that they cannot hear, because that spirit, that unleavened spirit is in their lives and it needs to be purged free. I mean, how can we not? When I was living in this religion, when I was in religion, this Bible made absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. You know, it just, all the these and the thous and the whatnots, it just, I could not understand it. But really the reason why I could not understand it is because this word is living. It is breathing. It's that umbilical cord that we have to Jesus Christ. So in other words, we have to really know Jesus Christ in our hearts for this word to make sense. It wasn't until I came to know Jesus five and a little over five and a half years ago that this word actually started coming to life, that I actually could understand what I was reading and I wanted to read it. It wasn't no more just required of me to read it like when I was a kid. Now I actually wanted to read it. I wanted to know what it said. 
And that's what this word does. But that spirit of Pharisee, man, it doesn't want what you know in this word. It want, They want to be capped up over you. So that way, just like in the Catholic Church, they read from their version, but you're not allowed to read it yourself. I mean, and that's just dumbing down the masses. And the same thing goes into the modern day churches. Come to church, but you don't really have to read your Bible all that much. Says who? The word, we have to be connected to this word. So if the pastor's not telling people, get into this word for yourself, they've got that spirit on them. Yes, Mark. Luke 16, when he talked about the rich man, and how he wanted to go back and talk to his land across this big wall. He said, Hey, you know, if you send me back, if somebody comes back from the dead, maybe they'll believe, they'll understand. And he's like, You know what? They have prophets, they have uh, Moses, and all of them. They don't believe them, listen to them. They're not going to believe you. It seems like that's the blindness that you know, discussing the spirit of heresy. That is so true. And it's like, you know, this has been talked about before, but if we're not actually out actively talking to people about Jesus Christ, we can become complacent because that's happened to me in my own life. You know, all of a sudden you're, you're watching one Christian movie here and that one Christian movie turns into another worldly movie and you haven't touched your Bible in days. And that's when it's just like the Lord has, to, he'll let something happen. He'll Not that he'll let something happen, but he'll, he'll take his hand back off of you saying, you're not of me right now. You need to get back with me. You need to get into prayer. You need to get into fasting because the spirit of Pharisee will do that. Yes, yeah, you know, this is also, um, this scripture convicted me, I mean, big time while we're just sitting here because what Jesus is telling them is about the, about the leaven of the scribes and Pharisees. And that could really be said of us all because Jesus was with them, but yet they didn't believe. They thought that they still needed the material things of this world just to make it. And you see, what, what's got me is why I don't do more for the Lord in my own life is because I believe I need resources. Lord, if I'm going to go overseas, you got to assure me of a job. Well, Lord, why don't you just show up with the chest full of money now so that I can go and do what you say? But you see, this is very convicting to me because if I truly believe that the Lord is who he is, then why don't I believe and get on that ship? Why don't I walk with he where he walks, wherever he walks, and trust in him in every yeah. single way? So, you know, I just wanted to bring that forward that, you know, this could be said of us all. That yes. that's Pharisee spirit is really heavy in the body. This is a very important message because there's no reason why I shouldn't be following him if we truly believe that he is the Christ. But what holds us back? We still don't remember the mass of 4,000 and 5,000, even unto this day. Amen. You know, he's done plenty of miracles for us. Amen. Another thing, too, Saved is our lives. we're hesitant to recognize, acknowledge, like, our lack of understanding. Like, mm -hmm. the, the disciples, when Jesus said that, they assumed, oh, well, he means because we all have read with us. Mm -hmm. But, like, if we get caught up in trying to prove ourselves and, and, and 
base things off work to basing I'm just I'm saying this because I feel like conviction for myself of how often have I forgotten that I should just sit and, and recognize weakness, brokenness, yeah. lack of understanding and Lord, I'm struggling with my identity. Lord, I'm struggling with this. Help me instead of oh well I'm gonna try and overcome this or I'm gonna try and sort this out or I'm gonna figure this out or I'm gonna make my plan or you know, we overlook just simply being where we are and being broken. Okay, so it's not, why, why are you yeah, like why reasoning. Yeah, like don't don't reason. Yeah. Seek God. Great points. Both of you great points. And it is true for all of our lives. It's like that's why we have to be so real in our walk with the Lord. You know, we may be able to first with what we're going through, but if one person we cannot fake is Jesus Christ. We cannot fake him. We can't fake the devil either. He knows too. Sometimes, you know, some of the things that we're going through, he will hit those pressure points and he will hit our minds. And that's why the scripture also says that we cannot get weary in well-doing because when we get weary in well-doing, Satan is sitting right there, just like a Pharisee, because that's who their father is, is the devil. He's sitting right there waiting for us to get tired, waiting for us to just sit back, kick back for a few minutes. And there he is. Oh, man, just just take a load off. Just relax. Mm -hmm. Just go to church. You know, maybe just go to church this Sunday and then, you know, take the rest of the day and rest or whatever. Man, that it is, you know, we got to be really on fire for the Lord. And that's what he's teaching me more of, to be on fire for him. You know, to fast more, to pray more, to spend more time with him. I don't want to stay, stay in this job down and mad at forever. I really don't. You know, I want to be there to tell people about him. But outside of that, I'm not there for anything else. You know, I don't care about the production levels. I don't care about all this stuff that, you know, some people talk about work. I'm not into that, you know. And the Lord will convict me, too. Like, don't you dare get involved in that conversation. Don't you do it. And, you know, the more we can hear his voice, the more we are going to be obedient unto him. Because we can see the evilness that's in this world. And, yes, you know. We're going to face some heartache. We're going to, we are going to face some heartbreak. You know, we were kind of talking about this a little bit beforehand, but it's like sometimes it's good to have your heart broken because that means that, you know, the Lord, he can draw closer to us. We will, we can rely more on him during that, during that heartbrokenness. It can make you stronger in your walk with the Lord that we do not rely on this system at all. We rely on Jesus Christ. All right, let's uh, go to Matthew 6. In verse 1. And after Matthew 6, we're going to go to Hebrews 10 and then close out from there. So Matthew 6 and Hebrews 10. Or, yeah. All right. Matthew 6, verse 1. I'll start reading. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou dost thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you that they have their reward. But when you do your alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. For thine alms may be seen may be in secret and thy father which seeth in seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly 
So when you're doing this, when you're doing your alms, or if you're, you know, giving to somebody, we're not supposed to make a loud noise about it. You know, we're not supposed to be saying, hey, look what I did here. Look how much I gave here, because that's what the hypocrites do. That's what the Pharisees do. They make a loud noise. You know, I went out and I talked to this person about Jesus Christ, and they came to know the Lord through me. And that's that's what the hypocrites do, and that's for self-glory is what it is. That's probably because you want people to know. One thing about the religious saying that I never agreed with was, when people would go out on visitation on Wednesday nights, they would make a scene about it in the church. And people would actually give, get up in front of the church and say, well, I led this many people to the Lord, and I led this many people to the Lord. That causes pride on the inward part. And strife. And strife, yes. Yeah. Because it can cause other people to be jealous. Us leading people to the Lord is never, never, never about our own self-recognition. Never. And they're doing that in churches. So that is that spirit of Pharisee, and it actually goes against what the scripture says right here, because it says right here that you don't do that. All right, verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, shut thy door, pray to thy father, which seest in secret. And thy father, which seest in secret, shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask, ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it is heaven. Thank you. Give us this day our daily bread, and forget and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forget not, forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I tell you what, a really, really big key in coming to know is forgiveness. That spirit of the Pharisees does not want forgiveness. It does not want people to forgive it wants people to live exactly the way they are but i know for me when it, before i got saved i had a lot of unforgiveness in my heart and it was a process that i had to go through to learn to forgive and to learn to let go and how easily it started becoming to not hold grudges against people you just start forgiving people because you don't hold that malice in your heart anymore you don't hold that that hurt, that grudge, or that pain, or sure. the anger, or the bitterness, all mm -hmm. things that keep us from knowing Jesus Christ. You don't harbor those things in your life anymore. But the Pharisees, man, they want to be seen. They want to pray in the public. They want to say, look at me, because I'm praying, blah, blah, blah. The Lord said, that's not how you pray. Now, we may pray in a Bible study to give honor to the Lord, but it's not of ourselves. We're not doing it so we say, look at me, look at how I prayed. No. 
in our own time, we still have to have a prayer life. We still have to come before the Lord because why? We still have things in our lives that are not right. There's other people out there tonight that need prayer. The Lord can talk to us through prayer. But he's saying this is how you pray. We are to thank the Lord every day for everything that he's done to us. It's not about a boasting spirit. It's like, Lord, I'm broken and I need your help. I can't live another day without you. And it keeps us humble. It keeps that communication. The Pharisees, man, they don't want to hear that. They want to pray some nonsense in the street somewhere and say, look at me. And that is just, it, it's sickening to my stomach that people do that because you lead people astray. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Um, one thing I want to bring up to one day, because this is another false doctrine going around. Sarah and I were, um, we were doing a show with Michael Adams and there was one of his listeners that was telling us, he told Michael Adams first, then he told me, but he said, you know, you guys really shouldn't be praying in public. You're supposed to pray in private and then you come on and then you just give him the word, but you're not supposed to pray. He failed to misunderstand because this is another way how the enemy will try and shut you up. What he failed to understand is Jesus says at the end of everything he says here that you may be seen of others. So what is he judging? The heart. What is the intent behind you doing this? Do you do it to be seen? Or are you praying because someone needs prayer or, or whatever you're doing? So it's the intent of the heart. But you see, they're trying to shut people up. Don't pray. You're not supposed to do this. When really, you know, that's what's going around right now. So if you guys hear it, don't be surprised. But Jesus says to be seen of others. If this is why you're doing it, then this is a hypocritical move. I mean, that's not what we're supposed to be doing it for other than to have the Lord, you know, or to do things for his will. You want to say some words, Jesus said? Right here. Let's go back to um, Matthew 6. He says, take heed that you do not alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. So he didn't just say about doing alms, but to be seen of man. That's the issue there that he's talking about. Not that you're supposed to do every little thing in secret, but what's the intent behind why you brought this up? Did you do it to get claps and amens and, you know, yeah, see, that's that's what I'm saying. Or is it really? He's so pious. He's so religious. Look at him. He's, yeah. he's just wonderful. Yeah. It reminds me of when I was in uh, the Middle East living there for a little weekend. I there was a call to prayer, and everyone just dropped. And you look around, and everyone is you know, the most, whoever bows down the most with the rare end in, in the uh, sky and hitting their heads and almost drawing blood, they were the most pious. And it was like, really? You know, and it's, it kind of makes me think of Christians who do the same. If you're trying to show other people, hey, I know how to pray. Oh, Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord God. You know, you have the best prayer there is. To me, that's faith. It's mm -hmm. false. I don't want to. That's my faith. So. Yeah, that yeah. word is G4314, that word to be seen. And it says, to the advantage of, at, nearby, uh, towards, or with regard to. So you see, what's the regard? What's the purpose? Am I doing it because it's godly and this is what I'm called to do? Or am I doing it with the regard of, I want to be seen? Mm -hmm. I want people to see me do my duty. For the Lord, and that's a that's a self righteous spirit. Well, it's yeah. like the late or uh, Leonard Ravenhill said. He's like, you're not only going to be just for what you did, but for why you did it. Mm -hmm. You know, what was the motivation behind why you did it? And that's true. 
You know, everything that we do, it's not just why you what you did, but what spirit was behind you that caused you to do it. Because I can't none of us say, well, I don't know. You know, it's just like when you text somebody, what do you mean by that? Oh, I don't know. You know, it's like, don't lie. You know, you just don't want to admit to why, you know, to the real truth. But we can't, we're not going to be able to say that before Jesus Christ. Because he already knows why we do things. We cannot hide that from him. So whatever spirit motivates us to do things when we're praying, when we're praying in a group setting, it's like what spirit motivates us when we pray? Is it the Holy Spirit or is it some other spirit? The Pharisee spirit. Exactly. The Pharisee. Well, that's what we're teaching about. (laughs) And it very well could be the Pharisee spirit because it wants to be seen. It wants to be heard loud and proud in our prayer. That's what it wants. And the, the Lord's saying, no, you are not to be that way. Verse 16, moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad, sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fast, anoint thy head and wash thy face, thou, that thou appear not unto me to fast, but unto thy father which seest in secret. And thy father, which, or which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there is your heart. There your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now you notice here it says, if that light be darkness, how great is that darkness? The light is supposed to be separated from the darkness. Lucifer himself was an angel of light. And look at him. He is of darkness. So that spirit of Pharisee can appear to be some high and mighty good light in the church. Going around telling people all this stuff. Like, yes, this is how we're supposed to worship here. And this is how we're supposed to do this here. And that light can be pure evil. It can be pure darkness that they're speaking of. Because why? They don't have the light of Jesus within them. That light is darkness. All right, uh, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he shall either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, money, you know, so we cannot serve God and mammon. We can't love both, guys. And that Pharisee spirit does not love God, and they love money. They love the tithe. So we have to make a choice as to who we're going to serve, either God, or the devil. All right, last scripture of the night. Let's go to Hebrews 10. I know I sound like Derek. Hebrews 10 and 1, verse 1. So this doesn't mean that you can't have money. He says to serve money. Right. There's a difference there, you know, because some people will uh, remove their uh, beliefs just for the sake of, I need a job, I need Mm -hmm. money. And you can't do that because then you're serving the money. The money is dictating to you what you can and cannot do in order to obtain it. You see, 
But if having money is not the issue, serving the money is the issue. Oh, actually, let's go to Hebrews 10 and verse 19. Hebrews 10 and 19. Your possessions and materialistic things. Everything in this life. Anything in this life can be an idol. You know, it, it just—it doesn't matter what it is, anything. But you know, money is the is a big one, and more people today want to serve money. They want to have it, and the Lord knows who He can trust with the money He gives. He knows because that person will not hold on to it. They will not hoard it. You know, the Lord could give somebody a million dollars, and they say, "Lord, this is not my my money. This is yours. What do you want me to do with it?" But a self-centered egotistical worldly person what's the person they're, they're gonna do with that money probably go to vegas and blow it because that's a worldly mind you know they ended up having he came right back he came to a census said you know why am i wallowing with the pigs i need to go back to my father but when he went back you notice he was proud when he left, and he was humble when he came back. And so sometimes the Lord has to allow that to happen in our lives. Like, you're too proud right now, so I'm going to go out. I'm going to let you go out wallow in the world, have your fill of the world. And when it doesn't fill you, when it doesn't satisfy you like you think it is, you know, hopefully you'll come back. Because he came back, and he's like, man, I'll just be like one of his hired servants. I don't, he's like, I don't even expect. Because apparently, you know, it sounds like you left him on a pretty bad note. So he's like, I don't even expect that he's going to, you know, he's going to let me be his son. I don't even expect that right. That's how lowly he came back. And then when the father saw him, he ran out, kissed him, gave him his robe, put a ring on him, said, you know, go kill the finest calf. My son has returned. But, and you know what? That is a really good point. I'm glad we're on that story. Because the spirit of the Pharisee had fell on the other brother. <laughs> it fell on that brother because he was jealous at that point. You know, he's like, you know, why can I never have a party for my friends? The father says, you've been here the whole time. You've been doing what I've asked you to do. But, you know, that spirit of Pharisee can do that to people. You see somebody new coming in off the street, lowly, looking, you know, pretty Tore up and bad, that spirit, we don't allow that here. I'm sorry. When you go have, you know, get cleaned up and stuff, you can come back here. And what? That person could have been a prostitute, homeless, coming right off the street with the clothes on their back. You're just now turning them around and having them walk right back out into the sin that they started with. Why? Because of that spirit in that church. And those people will be judged for that, for doing that, for turning people right back into their sin. All right. Hebrews 10 and verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, not by the Pharisees, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated with us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. 
for he is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the matter of some is, but exhorting one another, in so much more as ye see the day approaching. What's that day that's approaching? That's that last day that's coming. So when we're in this, yes, we do exhort one another to love. Yes, we are in the body of Christ. We are fellowshipping one another with one another. Iron sharpeneth iron. But at the same time, sometimes we may have to correct one another to make sure that we stay in the faith. You know, because that's that's the part of love. That's the part of pure love of Jesus Christ. When you see your brother or sister falling away and you want to make sure that they don't fall away. But sometimes that means some feelings may have to get hurt for that to happen. But you know what? I'd rather have my feelings hurt than go to hell. And I praise the Lord for brothers and sisters who are strong enough to say, if I'm wrong, they're going to tell me I'm wrong. And you know, but why? Because that's love. That is the true love of Jesus Christ that's in every one of us. Verse 26. For if we sin willfully after that which uh, we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful, fearful looking forth of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye, ye shall be thought of, ye shall Suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So there are people out there today that are standing behind the pulpit and they are taking the Son of God and they are trampling him under their foot. Why? Because if they preach the truth, people may not be in their congregation anymore. People by the droves may not sit in their stadium seats in, in Texas or somewhere, people may not give them money. So they've taken the Son of God and they've trampled under the foot. But God says here, vengeance is of the Lord. Vengeance belongeth to me, saith the Lord. So he's going to judge them people. I don't know if they're reprobate or not. They need to come to know the truth. They very well might be because they're still doing what they're doing. You know, there's some people in Hollywood today making these Christian movies. And if they're not saved, guess what? They're going to have a great damnation on their hands for what they're doing. Because here you are, you're trying to profess the word and it's not in here. All you're doing is putting it on the screen, but it's not truly inside of your heart. That is also the spirit of the Pharisees, you know, because we can believe, oh, look, this person made a Christian movie. Does that mean they're a Christian? No, it doesn't mean they're a Christian. It just means that they made a Christian movie. That's all they did. That doesn't mean that they believe. But the spirit of the Pharisee will tell you that. And that's why it's like we really have to know this word because as it says in 31, it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. It should be a fearful thing. 
That way it would wake us up to the things that we're doing and we'll stop doing them, whatever it is. It is a fearful thing. Verse 32. But call to remembrance the former days in which, after, after you were illuminated, ye entered a great flight, fight of a, ye endured a great fight of affliction. Partly will she, whilst ye were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly will she become companions of them that were so used. For ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which ye have great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. So it's saying here, after we do the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So we were talking about this earlier. I think, Derek, you brought it up. But there are some people who are going to draw back. There are some people that are going to start out in this walk. You're going to be reading your word. You're going to be drawing closer to the Lord. They're going to go to church. They're going to hear a sermon that says, you don't have to do all this. You don't have to go this far. All you got to do is come to church. All you have to do is set aside a little time for the Lord every day. All you got to do is say a five-minute prayer. That's all you have to do, and that that's it. That's all it requires of you. That's not what the scripture says. But that's what that spirit of Pharisee is telling people. And because of that, they are drawing back. They're not all going to be of us. Those that walk with us. We've got to get used to walking in and walking with the Lord by ourselves with the Lord. Because that may be what is required of us. Yes, we have our brothers and sisters in the Lord. And yes, we encourage one another and tell each other scriptures. But it is a separated unto Jesus Christ walk with the Lord so that way when he calls us to go somewhere we can go if he calls us to go but we have got to be one-on-one -on -one with the Lord you know I mean because he may call me to go somewhere he may call y'all all of y'all to go somewhere and the thing is is that if we can't be separated from whatever it is we have here we're not going to go because our heart is more here that's why we have to listen to the Lord so that's the message for tonight. I know you got a point. No, I was just going to say they went out from among us. Right. Exactly. That's the message for tonight. And I'm just praying that, that the Holy Spirit was here and that he led it. And that the words that were said magnify and glorify the Lord. Because this spirit really is very deadly. And it's causing a lot of people to not have the complete faith, complete trust in Jesus Christ. And I'm just praying. To everyone tonight, you know, if you're in a church where the true gospel is not being preached, man, I beg of you, pray to the Lord that he will open up your minds, that you will see him. Because God, Jesus Christ, is the only way. He is the only truth, and he is the only life. So that's it. There is um, a scripture that touched my mind about um, what we were discussing tonight. Um, about the Pharisees being the ones that were tempting Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and then we concluded uh, touching base on like believing 
having that heart of belief as opposed to not having not the heart of unbelief. Um, it's in Hebrews, um, Hebrews 3, verse 8, it says, Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness, which uh, in comparison, um, and uh, relating, connecting to what you're saying, the Pharisees were trying to, were tempting Christ and trying to constantly kind of uh, accuse him or something. Mm-hmm. Harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your father tempted me and proved me and saw my works for years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be any lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast and to the end, while it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the convocation. For some whom they had heard did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned? whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Mm-hmm. All right. Did you have something? Yeah, we can close. Um, you want to close this up? Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's the lesson. And, you know, if anyone's out there tonight, and you're not saved, you know, come to know the Lord Jesus tonight because we are not promised tomorrow. And we're going to pray out tonight. And if you're living a life that is not according to the Lord and you want to stop living that life, whatever it is, whether it's homosexuality or drinking, drugs, prostitution, fornication, the Lord can save you. He can heal you and he can set you free from all of those things. So give your life to Jesus today. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for this time of sharing, Lord. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the message, Lord, brought with our sister Sarah, Lord. And I pray that people truly do hear about the Pharisee spirit, about how pride, Lord, you resist the proud. You look at the proud from afar off, Lord. So if that's any of this in our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name that you remove it from us, Lord, because we know that it stinks in your nostrils. And I pray, Lord, that we can come to one another and begin to trust one another, that we can speak to one another about anything, Lord, but we should have no secrets in our closet concerning the body of Christ, that that we all stay up under you as one body of lively stones, Lord, that believe on you. And I just pray in Jesus' name, Lord, for this union, Lord, I pray that you bless it. I pray that you pour your spirit upon it. I pray that you open eyes, ears, hearts, and minds that we may receive, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for my sister Sarah, Lord, and what she brought forward in Jesus' name, I pray. Lord, pour unto the gift, Lord. Give her understanding. Let her go to her fullness in you, that she may do all that you tell her. I pray for my brother James, Lord. I ask that you watch over him and guide him, 
You know what battles, Lord, that he may be going through, but we know that we are victorious in you. And there was nothing that the enemy could do except bow the knee. And I pray, Lord, for my brother and sister, Sam and Deborah, Lord, that you watch over them, that you guide them, that you strengthen them, Lord. And I ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for their fellowship. I thank you for their friendship. I thank you, Lord, that they are available to do your will and that they do your will even when we're not around. And I pray, Lord, and I thank you for my brother Martin and sister Laura, Lord. They have giving hearts. They're good brothers and sisters, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you watch over them and that you keep them, Lord, and strengthen them and do what you need to do with them. And for my sister Christina, Lord, I thank you for her this day. I thank you, Lord, that you've given her a gift, Lord, that you've blessed her, that you've taken her so far. And I just pray, Lord, that you continue, Lord, to guide her. For you know what's in all of our hearts, Lord, and you're the only one that can fulfill those needs. So we just pray in Jesus' name that you pour them on. And Lord, for my brother Mark, who's who's been coming around lately, Lord, Lord, we thank you for him. We thank you for other strong believers. We thank you, Lord, because we've become an endangered species. There's not a lot of us around. So, Lord, for those who seek the truth, I pray that you bind your people together. And I pray, Lord, for my sister, Anna, Lord, that you watch over her, that you guide her, that you keep her, Lord. Place an anointing, Lord, on everyone that was mentioned today, that your full presence may be here in the midst of us, Lord, that we may be quickened by the spirit that we may move on the devil, Lord, and tear down his strongholds. But Lord, we are the body of Christ. So I just pray you send us out with boldness. You give us wise counsel, Lord, that you just govern us, Lord, in every single way that we may serve. Lord, stamp eternity on our eyeballs, Lord, that all we can focus on is the task at hand. So I just pray, Lord, that no one lacks, Lord, that we may grow, that we may proclaim your word. Whatever your goal is for this ministry, if we've got to branch out, if we've got to stay together, Lord, I just pray that it all remains in your hands. But Lord, there is nothing that the enemy can do when we are in your hands. So I just pray, Lord, strengthen us, guide us and keep us and prepare us, Lord, for the task. For you said that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. But we just pray, Lord, that we hand it all over to you. But you are the good shepherd. You are the king of kings. You are the true vine. You are the light of the world. You are the bread of life. And Lord, if we've got you, we've got the crown jewel. We lack absolutely nothing. So we just pray, Lord, and we ask in Jesus' name that all these things be done for your glory and honor. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And we pray, Lord Jesus. That we are ever grateful, Holy One of God, for the people that you send to preach your word, O oh, gracious God. And we pray that um, they continue to be according to their strength, their comfort, O oh, gracious God, that they abound more and more in that ways in your word. And we pray for every member of this um, ministry, O oh, gracious God, that everyone be uplifted in their spirit, that they have comfort in you, O oh, Lord Jesus. And where we are weak, oh gracious God, that we trust in you, that we will be built up in you. Build up in you. We thank you, Jesus, for your ever-loving ways. We thank you for your peace. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy, in which I pray that we do not take for granted. For our life is as a vapor, oh gracious God, and we can be taken and called at any moment. And so we pray, oh gracious God, to give you honor and glory, that we pray, that we pray and scream and give you 
praise, Lord Jesus, louder than the rocks, oh gracious God. So thank you, oh holy one of God, for you. Thank you for you. Just thank you for you. Thank you for your ways, oh gracious God. For to you, Jesus, be honor and all the glory, Lord. Amen. Well, I want to pray for Derek as he travels to Florida. Please still want the Holy Spirit, give him the words that he needs to, to speak the truth. Yes, Jesus. Give him everything that he needs to give him boldness. Give him the Holy Spirit. Give him the power of the Lord. Give him the power of the Lord. Give him the power of the Lord. Give him the too, Lord, that you watch over her. You know, as a mom, single mom that has her children, Lord, I ask that you watch over Devin and Easton, Lord, for Easton is a little warrior. He goes out to preach your word, Lord, and I pray that you keep your hands on him, Lord, and that you guide that family and that you protect them, Lord, from all unrighteousness and the snares of the devil. We just pray, Lord, and we ask that those things be done for your glory and honor. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, everyone. Have a good night, and until next time. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.